Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Well, tonight, the teaching, as you can see in the background, it's going to be that which does not kill us makes us stronger. And we're going to be in James, verse 1 through 8. It's going to be, what we're going to be learning from is profiting from trials tonight. So, we all know that trials are hard. We know that it's, it's, it's hard to endure, but it's, it's not without purpose. Let me, let me let you know. You know, thinking about trials and stuff, somewhere like around the year, I would say around 99 to 2000, I started trying to really get close to God. You know, I knew Christ died for me. I knew because, because of Jesus, I was forgiven. You know, me and my family would go to church. We would, we would go to the services faithfully, regularly, every time they have one. Wednesdays, Sundays, we were there. You know, it was great, you know, and Lord, the Lord began to, to do a work in my heart. I have a lot of good memories since the first time that I started trying to, to seek, seek the Lord. And I was, I was blessed with seeing the power of, of our Father, you know, working in the lives and through the lives of other people. And when we get to witness something like that, that's, that's a blessing in itself, to witness the power that Christ has. It's truly, truly amazing. But at the end of every day, I often wondered why I didn't feel like God was working on my behalf or guiding me or blessing me. You know, I also remember thinking, well, this is, this is a nice church. You know, it's a cool church, but uh, I'm not going to get in too much. I'm not going to serve too much. I'm not going to, um, you know, participate too much with the, things that they go, go, with the things that they got going on. You know, I just need to make sure that I'm right-minded first. I need to, if you will, fix myself. But we know that that's impossible. I remember constantly fighting the temptations of the world, you know. It seemed like the world knew I was trying to change. Because the opportunity to sin was, it was overwhelming. It was always there. The opportunity to fall back into my old ways and the way that I was living, it felt like it was in my face 24-7. Or what felt like every day, all day. And like every Christian or every believer, you know, there would be times that I would fall back or fall into the trial or fall to the temptation. And then I would just feel like I would, you know, I would just have that feeling of being destroyed by guilt. You know, it would be it would take me weeks before I could feel like that I could come back to the church and hear the word of God or to worship or to allow, you know, myself to be around other believers because I was consumed by that guilt. You know, it would take time to come back to hear the word again. I remember being told a couple of times of what what that we were going to be tried and that it was with the reason and with the purpose. But I was never given the reason why or even told about why God tries his children. Like I didn't I, I was told you're going to get tested. You're going to be tried. But I was never told why and for what reason. And still. I would try to stop myself from falling to the temptations only to fall to it again the following weekend. I mean, for, for me, the weekend when it started, I was starting to get stressed when the weekend was coming. I was like, man, look, there's too much things that happen in the weekend that I shouldn't be doing. And I don't want it to come. But because I, I would I would be like, oh, Lord, you know, don't don't let the temptation come. You know, you how many times do we feel like that? I don't want the temptation to come. I don't want the testing to come. Lord, please get me through today. I can't handle a situation today. 
I'm trying my best. I'm trying to grind it out so that I don't disappoint you. So I don't fall to the sin or the temptation. That was my plea. I don't want the test. I don't want the temptation. I don't want the trial. But what would happen? Faithfully, the weekend would come. And unfortunately, faithfully, I would fall to sin. Now, my heart was right. I believe 100% my heart was right. But the instruction of being completely surrendered was not clear. I thought that being surrendered meant that I, me alone, would do, wouldn't do what was not approving to our Father. While I thought God was not working on my behalf, it took a while. And I thought God wasn't guiding me, but in that was actually God was testing me and showing me that without him allowing him in my heart and not allowing him to control me, I couldn't do it. You know, hopefully it didn't or it won't take some of you or anybody that's listening via podcast or the app. It don't take them as long as it took me to realize that we have to let God and we have to let go. But again, knowing how, you know, I was a knucklehead, hard headed, thick skulled, nothing penetrated. So every time I failed, I thought I wasn't right, you know, but through God testing me, God was showing me that I can't. I can't make it. I can't do it. I can't endure it. I can't be that victor. But it wasn't about me not being right. A lot of the time I wondered why God wouldn't just give up on me, you know, often I often thought, if God already knows tomorrow, and he knows that I'm going to fail, then he must know that I can't stop sinning. But I come to the knowing knowledge that Jesus is the one who saves. Jesus is the one that loves us. Jesus is the one who softens our heart. And he did it with reason, with purpose, died for all. You know, God was showing me that by me accepting that I'm weak, I would be made strong. See, this is the key. No matter what or no matter how long we've been walking with Christ, our strength comes from the Lord. Testing is with purpose and it is needed. That which does not kills us only makes us stronger. We have a few points that we're going to cover tonight. It's going to be three of them. You know, I want to encourage you to write these points down. The first one is, who are trials intended for? The second is, why do we need trials? And the third is, what will trials do for me? Now, way of background, before we jump into the text, let's, let's get this background real quick. The author of the epistle is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you knew or not, but did you know that, G, that James did not become a believer until after the resurrection. Even this, this guy had his whole life next to Christ, but he did not come to the knowing knowledge until after the resurrection. I mean, and this is why I love the epistle, because it's, it's like he, he has seen it. He has seen, he has seen the resurrection, and he's been changed by it. I mean, what I long to see, what we long to see, that to encounter and see the almighty, resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, James has seen it, along with many other apostles, but he has seen it. James witnessed what, what lived, what he was 
James witnessed and lived what he is writing to us about tonight. That is why, you know, we can say we can take this epistle and we can learn from it. James is a witness by faith and character of the works for believers as a believer. The book of James, it's also known as a general epistle, is written to the 12 tribes, the Jewish Christians, which means it is written to those who have come to the saving knowledge that by faith Christ is the Savior. No more works, no more law, no more old covenant. It's of the new, of Jesus Christ. So the epistle is written to all the believers. This written message, this epistle was a general one. In the scriptures we will be in tonight, we are given the instruction on how to have joy in our trials. But James faithfully gives us a picture of what it would look like if we ignore that power. If we don't rely on Christ in our trials. You know, I love that about the word of God. We're given what we need. We're given why we need it. But we're also given what we look like if we don't accept it. So with that, let's jump into it. James chapter one, verse one. It reads, James, a bondservant of God. Of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. We read this and we could possibly think, who are the 12 tribes? What are bond servants or, or where have they been scattered to? This doesn't even apply to me. Let's look at it. Who and what is a bond servant? One, a bond servant by definition is one who gives himself up to another's will. Those whose, whose service is used by Christ and extending and advancing his cause, Christ's cause among men. A devoted to another, which is God. To disregard one's own interest, simply put, bond servants, we live in love for Christ more than for ourselves or for what we can gain for what we want. Believers, we are bond servants. We are the 12 tribes. We are the believers. This is the reference that is that was not intended for any specific person or or place, but it was intended for those who have come to the saving the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So the epistle is for us. So again, to all the believers. So right off the bat, who's who's the instruction written to us believers? We are all bond servants. Once we've accepted Christ, we fell into the classification of a bond servant. When we accept Jesus, we voluntarily give ourselves to the service of our father in heaven. This letter is for the body of Christ, the believers, us bond servants, you and me. So here's the first point, And I would encourage you, if you haven't written it down, write it down. Who is the trials intended for? Trials and temptations are for the believers with purpose. Verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. You got to love the way James jumps into the letter. I mean, I read it and I'm like, you know, Brother James knows that we don't have time out here. There's no time for playing. There's no time for games. There's no time for nonsense, for lollygagging, as a, a coach likes to say that I know about. Trials are real. And there's a reason for what happens. Verse two, again, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Everything that we fall into is not without reason. Let's get it straight. It's 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 not without reason. And we should count it all joy. With that being said, let me explain a couple of things. Two points real quick. If we if we live a life that is of our own making, if we live like there is no God and we fall into troubles, that's not God testing us. That is just, unfortunately, that's just us reaping what we sow. If you're wondering, like, what? I'm glad you're wondering. (laughs) 
When I was living in the world, how crazy would it be if I said, yeah, today's Friday. But tomorrow I got nothing to do. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and I'm going to call my girl. I'm going to holler at my lady. I'm going to tell her, you know, let's hit the, let's go to the club. Let's go get the, the drink specials. Let's uh, knock back as many beers as we can, we can drink before the specials go away, before the price on the, the drinks go up. And, and let's continue this drinking throughout the night. That, that, for me, that was a good night. That was a good weekend. That was a nice Friday. Oh, by the way, I'm not the only person that came up with this awesome idea. Just to say. I mean, come on. I mean, I want to drink as much alcohol as I can until the prices go up. And then continue drinking. This is what I wanted to do. This was going to be great for me. Amazing. And I expected it to be a fun and exciting night. That's still, I'm like, what were you thinking? What was wrong with me? But back to the point, you know. Say that this amazing night plays out like I wanted to, but for some crazy reason I end up, let's say, in jail. For a DUI. Go figure. Who would have thought that could happen? You know, I didn't plan it that way. That's not what I wanted. Would this be a testing or a trial from the Lord? Of course not. We know that it's not. This is what happens when we make bad decisions. I mean, it's safe to say at times we think we're being tested, but we fail to think that what we're doing or what we're going through is just reaping what we sow. You know, we have to be careful, very careful in what we think testings really are. So what's testings, since we're talking about it? Okay, if the Lord calls on us and tells somebody, calls on us and wants us to tell somebody about Jesus, and we feel it, but we act like Moses and say, Lord, I can't talk right. Lord, how will they believe me? Lord, I don't know what to say. God tells us, just trust in me. Just trust in me. He's testing our faith, our loyalty, to do as he instructs, without hesitation, without fail. Or what if we were even to get tested like Abraham? I mean, to be told that we had to sacrifice our son or daughter. Would we do it? I'm going to say probably not. I'm speaking for myself. I don't know. But that'd be a hard thing to do. I mean, that's hard. I don't care who you are, where you come from, or what. That's a hard thing to do. But that is the faith and trust that trials will eventually bring us to. It's when we are living a life that is of Christ, for Christ. The things that happen that we can take this verse and know that it pertains to our life. We can count it joy because we know that we are being tested for a reason. And because we're being tested to be, to be made stronger in preparation for a bigger purpose. Another point that I want to point out real quick is now, if we fall into various trials because we, we refuse to do what is good and right, well, that's not with reason, and that's not from the Lord. I stress this point because this was something that I dealt with. This is something that I've seen on a regular basis. People are saying, I'm being tested, I'm being tested, I'm being tested. And my heart is to say, no, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're reaping what you're sowing, brother. But there's better. There's different. There's, there's better. We, uh, for a second, a side note, you know, when we do live for the Lord, then we know that the trials are made for us to grow from. 
That's, that's just simple. That's direct. That's straight. So my thought is, you know, how can I grow from this? What is it that is being grown in me? And how is this going to help me? How is it me being tested or me enduring this trial, this temptation, this tribulation, this persecution, this thing that I don't understand, this thing that I don't want to endure, this thing that I don't have the answer to, how is that going to help me except make me lose sleep? Again, the scripture that says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. This is why. Verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Looking at two specific words here in this scripture. The first one is testing and the second is patience. What is testing? Or what does the word testing really mean? What is James writing to tell us? The word testing comes from the Greek word dekimion, meaning that by which something is tried or proved a test. What this is saying is that through our testing, we are going to be proven in the test. I was being tested, but I kept trusting in myself. Why do I keep falling to these temptations? Why do I not have victory? Why am I, why am I falling and falling? Because I wasn't trusting in the Lord. So when are we being tested? Well, that comes through the trials and the tribulations. But being tested, we need to know that we need to trust in God. And that is how we are proving that we are of him and trust in him for all things. The second word is patience. This word is from the Greek word hapumana, meaning patiently, steadfastly, a patient, steadfast waiting for. Patient, enduring, sustaining perseverance. So this is telling us that the patience in us, patiently waiting on our Lord, instead of us making a mess out of things, our own thought, through our own thoughts and our own actions, steadfast waiting, this is why James tells us to count our trials joy. And again, why do we need trials? Because through our trials, we learn to trust God. That should be celebrated. Because how stressed do we get when we don't know what to do? Like I was saying, I mean, it's easy for us to get angry, bitter, even vengeful. When we are under stress from this world or stress of a, from a situation or stress from a circumstance. It's easy, it's easy for us to fall into those, to those feelings. Bitterness, angry, vengefulness. So again, we counted our joy when being tested because we learned to trust in God, not ourselves. This is the purpose of it. And verse four, it reads, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. For this, we're looking at being perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Perfect. From the King James translation, derived from the Greek word teleos, meaning brought to its end, finished, wanting nothing, necessary for completeness, that which is perfect. Full grown, adult, of full age, mature. Now looking at the word complete, this is from the Greek word halokreos which from the King James Version reads entire, a.k.a. complete, meaning complete in all parts, all parts, and no part wanting or unsound, complete, entire, whole, a body without blemish or defect, whether of a pastor or of a victim, 
free from sin, faultless, complete in all respects, lacking nothing. Again, from the King James translation, it reads wanting nothing, which is from the Greek word lipo. Now you're like, you're giving me so many words, you're giving me so many translations, we're going to gather it all together, but we have to have a, a sound foundation and what this is that James is trying to tell us before we can gain any application. Lipo meaning to leave, leave behind, forsake. What is the work of patience in reference to perfect and complete? It is the work of allowing us to learn from our trials and temptations because it will allow us to grow and mature in our Christian walk. Also allowing us to know that we are being built, prepared, and perfected. Progressively growing Christ-like. Now in reference to lacking nothing, when we, be, when we leave behind the things of the world that only fulfill the flesh, the fleshly desires, we are then lacking nothing. Why are we lacking nothing? How can we be lacking nothing? So much necessities in today's life. How can we be lacking nothing? Okay. When we trust and when we entrust our lives to Christ, the thing that we used to consider priority changes. And the things that God wants for us and through us become priority. When we surrender our lives, the things that we think are priority change over to what is priority to God, to our Father, and the perfect will that He has for us. Psalms 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's, a, it's such a fulfilling privilege to tell someone about Christ. It's a, it's a privilege to be able to love you guys that are here. For us to be able to love the people that are outside of this place. It's, it's a privilege to tell the world what has been freely given to us can freely be given to them. This is the work of the believers, bond servants, disciples. But more importantly, through trials and temptations, we understand that without trials and temptations, we will not grow as believers, bond servants, and disciples. Without trials and temptations, we don't learn, we, we don't learn what it is that God wants for us or through us. Without trials and temptations, we can't stop wanting what the flesh wants and doesn't want. But through the trials and temptations, what becomes most important is what our Father wants for us and through us. Without trials and temptations, we cannot become stronger in our faith in the Lord. Without the trials and temptations, we cannot become aware of sin and know that Christ it's where we are freed from it. For every sin or that we commit or every time that we fall to the temptation, we are freed from it because of Christ. The second point, why do we need trials? When the work of patience is complete, it will, it will give all that is necessary for our Christian race that we run and all that we need for our spiritual warfares. Verse 5. That's the second point that we're covering tonight. Before I move on, I want to I say it again. The answer to the second point, when the work of patience is complete, it will give all that is necessary for our Christian race 
that we run and all that we need for our spiritual warfare? That's a long answer, but it's a good answer. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Looking at wisdom and from whom? Wisdom being knowledge applied. What good is knowledge if we don't apply it? What good is it that we learn how to build a home, but we don't build that home? What good is it that we learn how to weld, but we weld nothing? What good is it? It's wisdom is the knowledge applied. That means used. What we learn, we have to apply it. We have to use it. But only the knowledge that can come from our father. Now, we can get worldly knowledge and apply it, and it's easy. But that's not the one that's going to profit us. That's not the one that's going to, you know, to, to put us in the position that, that the Lord is trying to put us in. The world tells us to seek godly, the, the word tells us to seek godly counsel and to flee worldly counsel. Wisdom and from whom? Our father. Wisdom, knowledge, applied. Everything that you learn tonight is knowledge, but you have to apply it. What is reproach? I love this. What does this mean and how does it apply to us? Reproach. The King James translation reads unbraideth. That's how it's written. The King James is the first translation from that actual Greek. And it reads unbraideth. This comes from the Greek word anadizo. That translated into English means unbraid, reproach, revile, cast in teeth, suffer reproach. And the New King James Version, it reads reproach. Reproach defined as this. Address someone in such a way as to express disapproval or disappointment. What does that mean to us? What does reproach mean to us? <laughs> reproach. Without reproach simply means wisdom is given to everyone without judgment or blame for current or past sin or mistake. Without reproach, if we ask for it, it would be given to us without reproach. If we live a life that is of Christ in this carnal body, we're going to make mistake or even sin. But because we are not perfectly completed yet, we make these mistakes. Without reproach, wisdom will be given to us in our trials and temptations. See, it doesn't matter what we think of ourselves. In the beginning, like I said, I used to be full of guilt that I couldn't go to the word of God, that I couldn't go to church, that I couldn't hang around with believers because of what I was doing or what I failed to do. It was stopping me. The, the guilt was consuming me. But our word of God here specifically tells us it doesn't matter what we think of ourselves when asking for wisdom in our trials or in our temptations. It only matters what our heart truly is. And God knows our heart. To back it with scripture, Jeremiah 17.10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit 
of his doings. We fall, but we confess, we repent, and we flee. And God knows this. This is the very reason we need Jesus Christ. This is the very reason that we can't survive without him. We need wisdom and we must ask for it. It will be given to us so that we can continue in our being made perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of sea driven and tossed by the wind. Here we're looking at faith and doubting. Following James' instruction to ask in faith. At times I felt like I know or that I feel like I don't have faith. Or that I'm still unsure when I seek the Lord. But let me encourage you by showing you that you have faith. The word faith translated from the Greek is pistis. Meaning conviction of truth of anything, belief. In the New Testament, the conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things Generally, with the included idea of trust and holy favor born of faith and joined with it. What is our faith? How is it born? Let's, 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 let's look at this word faith a little bit. How can we be joined with faith? Everyone was like, I know what faith is. Uh, faith is when I believe. Amen. How does this belief come? When is faith born? As it was told to us, as it was written. Our faith is born when we are born again. John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. The instruction of being born again is by the Spirit. We're born again by the Spirit. We're not born again fleshly. We're not born again no other way, but by the Spirit and the Spirit only. John 3, 5 says, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Because we were born again by faith in Christ, we then are spiritually born again into the faith of Jesus Christ and our Father and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. 2 Corinthians 1, 21. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ has been anointed has anointed us in God. Verse 22 in 2 Corinthians, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee, as a guarantee, our strength and ability we owe to faith, and our comfort and joy must flow from faith. When born again, we were born of faith. Everyone that has given their life You've given your life by faith in the Savior, Jesus Christ. That has sealed you with the Holy Spirit that you have been reborn and born by faith, that you have faith in you now. For every one time that you've prayed or you've thought something and you said, I'm not sure, I'm not, I don't think I have enough faith for that. You already have the faith. What is the wisdom or the knowledge applied? Apply that you know the word of God tells you and comforts you and gives you satisfaction and joy and trial to know that you have the faith already reborn in you. You just have to grow it and continue it. Looking at doubting from the first translation to the, of Greek to the English word, it, it was wavering or, wa or nothing, wavering. 
Wavering is the word. Deacrino, meaning doubt, judge, discern, content, waver. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord if he is doubting. Again, it's awesome that James is going to give us what we need, why we need it, and what we look like if we don't accept it. This is what we would look like. Suppose that he will not receive anything from the Lord. To be at a variance with oneself, hesitate, doubt. Let us not suppose we will receive anything from the Lord if we doubt. If we doubt. What is faith for? Faith is to know that Christ is faithful, righteous, sovereign. We have to know and believe. We're born into it already. And by faith we live. Not faith in us, but faith in who Jesus is. Our strength by faith in Christ makes us strong and gives us the ability to overcome. That is why our comfort and joy come by faith. Because we know our comfort and joy comes from God. In verse 6, it says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of sea driven and tossed by the wind. Without faith or the lack of faith, that causes us to be that person drowning in the ocean. When the sea of waves keep coming over and over and over, we keep trying to fight a losing battle. We keep trying to get that much-needed grasp of air, that breath of life that we need while we're drowning and being overcome by these waves over and over and over, and we just can't get it. We can't get there. Encouragement. The breath of life that is needed is that faith in our Lord and Savior. That's the breath of life that we must look for. Verse 7, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. It's, verse 7 is direct. This is the part that really touches me. I'm that type. I'm that one that says, if you have something to say to me, say it directly to me so I know what you're talking about. I don't need the around the bush stuff. I like the honesty, the wholehearted, honest truth. It's needed. It's necessary. Verse 7 is that way because it's direct, straightforward. And it tells you, without faith, we will receive nothing. If we had time to open a dialogue and say, does anybody have a question with that? I don't think anybody would raise their hand. It's directly said. Without faith, you will receive nothing. But let me remind you that you are born into faith. You have faith. You grow it as you grow with the Lord. This is the point of the trials. In verse 8, it says he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Double-minded, meaning wavering, uncertain, doubting, divided in interest. That's going to lead us to our third point. And again, I would advise you, I would encourage you to write this down. What will trials do for me? Trials give us stability. For us to be stable in our trials, we need to be balanced. A balance that comes through the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ by God our Father. We have what we have in our trials and, and, and temptations because we are being made perfect. We are being made mature. We are being made with a purpose. 
There was a person that we're going to invite. There is a person that we're going to reach. There was a, a righteous work that we're going to do. There is, is, is something that is needed in our lives. There's something that we're lacking. There's something that we can grow from, that we can learn from for reason and with purpose. They only come through trials and tribulations. There's nothing that the Lord brings to us or, com- or puts in our face that, we, that, that we're not going to grow from. This is the loveliness of it. This is the beauty of it. When we sit there and we look at temptations and we think something is coming across us, if the answer, the solution to it is going to lead us into sin, we know automatically that's not of the Lord. The Lord doesn't lead us into sin. The word of God tells us that it does not lead us to sin or to lack of faith or any of the fruits that go against the fruit of the spirit. We know that's from the enemy. So again, reaping what we sow, it's crucial that we understand the relationship that we have with Christ and the purpose that we endure the trials that we endure. God is going to allow things to happen to us. This is father filtered. This is what, you know, is preached here regularly. Everything that comes in front of us, everything that we face comes from our God that knows that we can handle it. The word of God tells us that it tells us that we with every temptation, he will make a way of escape. Our duty is to find the escape. Our other duty is to allow God to do what he's going to do and to trust in him through it. How many mistakes do we make on a regular basis? If nobody wants to say anybody, I make them daily. I make them regularly. I'm not perfect. I am being I am being transformed by the word of God, I am being perfected, progressively becoming more and more Christ-like. But if I keep begging and pleading, Lord, don't put me through this trial, don't put me in this test, what is that going to do for me? What does that do for my faith? How is that going to grow me? For, for another believer that is having issues or having troubles, and he comes and says, you know what, this is the life that we're living, this is the things that I'm going through, I don't know what to do with it, how am I going to encourage him through the word of God if I keep cowering and saying I don't want the trial? I tell you, count it all joy, like the word of God tells us. For every trial is with purpose. For every trial that you endure, it's, it's a must-needed thing to grow, to mature, to become refined. Dokimas. It's, it's a lovely word. And I don't know if you remember or not. We were at a conference. Josh even spoke this in one of his teachings. We had about 100, 200 men yell out this word, dokimon, that we rocked the roof off that building but knowing that it, be, it, it is to be refined in the word of God. This is needed for us every day of our life. Every day that we wake up, we are, in, we are presented with the opportunity to fall short. We're presented with the opportunity to judge. We're, we're presented with the opportunity to, to show the lack of love. We're presented with that. When we have sicknesses, when we have um, you know, marital issues, when we have issues with our children, when we have things that come against us or, or we're enduring and we don't know how to handle it or what to do with it, but our heart is for God. We live for Christ. We live by faith. These are trials, temptations made to perfect you, to produce patience that we don't make a mess out of things that we don't cause havoc, that we don't cause chaos. We wait patiently on the Lord, direction from the Lord. That is the only breakthrough that we can have. That's the only way we make it through. We, pastor likes to talk a lot about, you know, road rage, driving in the road. Are you tempted with the opportunity to yell at somebody, cut somebody off, get mad because somebody did it to you? Yeah. And what is the thing that you do after? Forgive me. I'm sorry. 
Don't do it again. You learn from it, yes? Knowledge applied. For these small things that you endure on a regular basis, these little things that you're enduring at our men's conversation, we were having a discussion, and one of the, the pictures that were painted was that you could have, be having a good day, and then you go to work, and you're laying out the extension cord, and you yank on it, and it gets caught up, and you got to go 100 yards back that way to unhook it and then come back 100 yards so you can get back on what you were doing. That's enough to frustrate someone. That's enough to make somebody mad. But what do you do after it's done? Forgive me, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Little things, little things. What about the big things? What about the big issues in life? What about when you feel lonely? What about when you feel abandoned? What about when you feel you haven't received your healing from the Lord for whatever pain you're enduring? What about when you feel like you have, you're being distanced from your children and you don't know how to get it back? What if you see a brother or loved one that's falling to sin and you don't know how to endure or what to do with it? Or if you say the wrong thing, what is the thing that you should come back to? Same thing. Lord, forgive me. I know that this is with reason. I need to learn from it and not do it again. This is us being made perfect. This is us trusting in the Lord before us acting out to it. We learn that when we do act out, we cause more issues than what there really was. When we don't have that patience and we don't trust in the Lord, we don't learn from our trials, we're never going to be able to mature as a mature Christian. It's hard for us to, to reach that point. But because we do what we do out of, out of flesh and what we want or what we think is correct, instead of learning, waiting, and trusting. I'm going to be closing with this. By way of recap, we got the three points that we talked about. Who are trials intended for? Trials and temptations are for the believer with purpose. Plainly put. Why do we need the trials? Again, this is why. When the work of patience is complete, it will give all that is necessary for our Christian race that we run and all that we need for our spiritual warfares. What do trials do for me, for us? Trials makes us stable, balanced through the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ by God our Father. Always living and trusting in God, knowing that we can have joy in our trials. We don't have to trust in self. We have to trust in God. God is unlimited. He is capped by nothing. He wavers by nothing. There's no wave in the sea that can shake him. We need not trust in ourselves. We trust in God in our trials and tribulations. We let go and we let God. We are being made perfect with reason. We are becoming mature in Christ. It's a beautiful thing to say when the world hits you and you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't have the answer this time. How did this happen? This is not what I taught. This is not what I showed. This is not what I lived. How did this happen? It's a beautiful thing to say, I don't have to have the answers. I don't have to know what to say. I don't have to know what to do. I just have to know that my father does. And he'll give it to me. He'll show me. He'll feel me. And we will be victors in every trial that we have. We can chalk it up joy. We can chalk it up joy. 
always living and trusting in God, knowing that we have joy in our trials. Let's pray. Father, you are, you are mighty, Lord. You are sovereign, Father. You are the almighty resurrected King of kings. There's nothing that we go through in this life, Father, that you do not know. There's nothing that we go through in this life, Father, that you don't know what it feels like, Father. For you have been betrayed, spit on, crucified, Father, by people whom you just wanted to love. And we endure the situations that we have in our life, Lord. Because you endured what you did, we have victory in you, Father. I pray for the hearts that are here, Lord, the hearts that are hearing, Father, that they be consumed with your word, Lord, knowing that we can profit from trials, Lord. Trials are not made to destroy us, Father, but trials are made to perfect us in patience, Lord, steadfastness and balance, Lord, in you. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful, wonderful word that you have breathed out, Lord. And I pray that the hearts that have been penetrated and the ears that have heard, Father, that they keep it. They remember knowledge is only knowledge if it's applied, Father. So we trust in you, Lord, and we thank you. We love you, Father. It's in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.